Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast Well dopey now podcast. is the time for the Dopey Podcast, podcast. Where you call in and dopey put podcast. all your life on blast And you call dopey in podcast. and talk about your past Because your dopey life was furious, hardcore and fast So dopey now podcast. is the time for the Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast The Dopey, dopey podcast. podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Now if your life was furious, hardcore and fast You feel like you want to put your life on blast Just call up the show and I talk about your past Cause now is the time for the Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast The Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery Located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Silver Lake, Aloe is created by our good friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, to create a place where alcoholics and addicts are treated with compassion and connection rather than control, which is a beautiful concept for a rehab. And they created Aloe. They made sure that the detox would be as comfortable as possible. And they made sure that their staff had decades and decades and decades of combined experience in treating addiction as well as co-occurring mental health disorders, especially severe mental illness. They have amenities including sound bath meditation, equine therapy, the potentially spiritual transformative sweat lodge, and much more. And if you're fucked and you want to go to sunny Southern California to get some help, I highly suggest going to Aloe. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Sober Buddy. Hey guys, I want to talk to you guys about Sober Buddy, since it's super available to you if you need some help with your sobriety. It's the little blue fluffy guy you may have seen in sober memes on Instagram or Facebook. You can either use their free service called Sober Buddy Mail, which is a daily email with bite-sized sober challenges plus motivations and tips that are super helpful. Or you can download the Your Sober Buddy app, which is an interactive version that shifts your challenges and motivations based on how you respond to it. The app also has a sober tracker that's down to the second and daily check-ins from Buddy where he asks you how you're feeling and if you're sober and then gives you advice based on your mood. Right now, Sober Buddy has over 30,000 people using their service to get sober, and I know we've had a bunch of our listeners use it and really loving it. If you're interested, check them out on YourSoberBuddy.com. You can see all of their services there. It is so nice to have these free and super inexpensive resources out there for everyone now. It's been a long time coming. Again, go to Your Sober Buddy and let Sober Buddy help you. It's great to have resources. That's YourSoberBuddy.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by SoberLink, where somebody cares about your recovery. Unfortunately, relapse is so common, especially when it comes to alcohol because it is widely available and highly prevalent in many social settings. That's why having true accountability and a deterrent from drinking is so important for staying sober. 
Soberlink has been empowering and helping people with alcohol use disorder since 2011 and is trusted by hundreds of treatment facilities. The Soberlink system consists of a portable handheld device that documents proof of sobriety in real time, keeping you connected to your family, friends, sponsor, treatment professional, recovery coach, or anyone else who worries about your well-being. As an exclusive offer to our listeners, email info at soberlink.com and mention Dopey for 50 bucks off your device. You do it for that someone who cares. Or you go to soberlink.com slash Dopey and go to the Dopey landing page at Soberlink. They care about your recovery. I care about your recovery. Stay accountable to your people. Soberlink.com slash Dopey. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our friends at Evolution Accounting and Consulting, a full-service accounting firm that can help with your taxes, your bookkeeping, payroll, and almost any other business need you have. Thanks to technology, they work with people from all over the country and pride themselves on building exceptionally strong relationships with their clients. They say that their passion allows you to pursue yours because they understand the stress caused by worrying about taxes and accounting issues. When you allow them to take this off your plate, you'll be freed up to focus on what you love to do. Perhaps more than anything else, the firm is run by a fucking crackhead. Fortunately, he's been in recovery for years now, and he knows the struggle as well as the success. Use the promo code DOPEY when you connect with them at www.evolution-accounting.com to receive special discounts. I know a bunch of people who have teamed up with Evolution Accounting, and they really have been happy with the results. So if you are launching a business, reach out to www.evolution-accounting.com and they'll hook it up. And last but not least, and most importantly, this episode is brought to you guys by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power, passion, and pathos of Dopey Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. Uh, there's a ton of shit on Dopey Patreon. Last week, I did a video the week before, I think I did another video. We've had music, we've had tours, we've had talks, we've had family, Ray, tons of shit on Dopey Patreon. Sign up at www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. People tell me I don't need to say www, but I like to say it. It's patreon.com slash dopeypodcast, but you need the www if you want to get to the World Wide Web. Also, we have tons of gear available at the Dopey Podcast store at www.dopeypodcast.com. There's tons of cool shit. New shit is about to come out. I still have like, I don't know, seven or eight trucker hats. The trucker hats flew off the shelf. They're pretty sweet. I would, I would Venmo me 30 bucks and get a bunch of stickers. I have new stickers coming, which I'm excited about. We have a couple of Dopey snapbacks. We have some Oyve snapbacks. Support Dopey. But if you do support Dopey, put up a picture. All right, enough with the ads and the bullshit. Here is the fucking show. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave. 
and uh, I'm at my dad's house and no one's here. And uh, the fucking gear is just incredible. The gear is incredible. My dad's away. It's so, I'm like professional. I'm sitting at my, I'm sitting at a desk. There's a light on. Everything is, it's not even clean, but it's so much cleaner than it is in the attic where I live that it feels like I'm in fucking IBM or in in Sirius or K-Rock or something. There's like knobs and shit and things sound good and they look good. And I need to confess something to you guys, okay? Over the past month, I've been desperately trying to make Dopey sort of a video show. But something occurred to me. Uh, I talked to Sam about it, and it, it occurred to me that I don't have any video video stuff. I don't have a video camera. I don't have a crew. I don't have a studio. I don't have anything. All I have is the hassle of trying to record shitty-looking video while ruining the podcast, which I love. So let me ask you guys. Would you rather some crappy fucking video that goes along with a podcast that is diminished in strength? Or would you rather the highest quality dopey you can get? And you can answer that question by writing me an email at dopeypodcast at gmail.com. I am happy to do bonus videos. There will be more bonus videos. There will be videos on Patreon. And I will try. I will try to do videos uh, for dopey interviews. But... I cannot sacrifice the the show for the video because we're just not there yet. We're not at that iteration of Dopey. We're at Dopey version 0.03 or 0.04. We're not at version 2.0 yet. We're 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 not even at version 1.0. We're in that's how big Dopey's going to get. We're here and we're only at 0.04. So I just want to put that out there. Don't look for video soon. Although I do have a consultation with one of the producers of DopeyCon 2 who wants to trick out, and I'm holding up air quotes when I say trick out, my studio, and I'm holding up air quotes when I say studio, so that it's easy to do video, and I'm going to hold up air quotes for that too. Uh, But my plan is I'm not going to do the show at home anymore because the show at home is too fucked up. In the summer, the attic is too hot. There's too many children. There's too many distractions. All I have to do is figure out a way to keep my father out of his house. And then I have the studio of my dreams. So, Dad, if you're listening, maybe settle down upstate. Maybe move to Florida or something. But you have to leave the apartment in my name so that we can crank out the show. Now, normally, we have some sort of third or fourth rate celebrity guest telling their story of addiction and recovery and this week I didn't get it together so then I tried to do this other thing and that fell apart because of the video and because of my inability to be technically savvy and that's when the light bulb went off in my head it's time to check back in with some of the toodles for Chris scholarship recipients So we had a chance to do that. Another thing that went off in my head is one of the great dopes in the Dopey Nation. You might know him as Matthew Wiedemeyer Carroll, and so do I. He's celebrating four years, and I wanted to put him on the show in order to celebrate his clean time. So here he is, Mr. Waiting For Tonight himself, Matt. All right, on the phone just might be the dopiest dope out there, celebrating four years of clean serene serenity sobriety he might be the best looking person in the dopey nation he might not be 
But his name is Matt Wiedemeyer Carroll. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here, Dave. Oh, dude, should I play the... Hold on, I have the drop I can play. Hold on, you ready for the drop with the... Yeah, hold on, hold on, let me see. Maybe you guys will remember when Matt said this. Here's what's in the spoon, you dumb fucking bitch. Shut the fuck up or you're not getting none of this. <laughs> was that actually uh, you, Matt, or was that somebody else? That, that was definitely me on the Patreon that everybody listens to. Everybody listens to that episode of the Patreon. What was the dumb bitch? What, what happened? I don't even remember what happened in that story. Oh my gosh. That was my crazy ex dope girlfriend. And yeah, it was, I remember I played that episode for my current girlfriend and she got pretty upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> what did, did she get upset about you? Dumb fucking bitch. What did she get upset about? Exactly. Well, because she was like, she's like, why, why are you telling stories about that stupid whore, blah, blah, blah. You want to relive it? And I'm like, it's fine, whatever. I should have used a different dopey story, but. That's so funny. So she didn't get upset that you called her a dumb fucking bitch. She got upset that you talked about her instead of her. Yes. Wow. Yes, exactly. All right. So I want two things. I want how you're doing, celebrating four years. And I want the worst thing, the best dopey story without that dumb fucking bitch in it. A different bitch story. Well, I, I got one without a bitch in it, but um, we can do that later. But I mean, I don't know. It's going. It's going really good. I'm come. I just so I got four years on June 18th or June 14th, and I'm celebrating this Sunday. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, oh yeah. Right, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I like it. Thank you. Uh, and then I got three years at the, uh, working at the same company on June 18th. So. Whoops. That's too loud. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, 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 str- like I'm struggling with my sound effects. So are you happy you're in the same work? You're, you're now you feel good about it. I feel great about it. I mean, on, on Monday I have the opportunity and I took it to work and I'm going to be making triple time on Monday. All right. And how about How about, I mean, last time we spoke, Debts were an issue, spending too much money on remote-controlled cars, being frivolous with your money. How is that going now, Mr. Wiedemeyer Carroll? Well, I have money left over from my bonus in May still, so I'm doing pretty good. Very good. Doing a little bit of savings. Uh, I got a, got a new credit card that earns rewards, and I'm using that semi-responsibly. Yeah? you're not. <laughs> are you burning all your money quickly or no? No. It's, I'm letting it stack up right now. Good for you. Look at this. I got, hold on. Let me I know. do this again. Hold on. Oh, that's not the right sound. Hold on. No, that's not the right sound either. Here we go. There we go. That's some solid applause. Like well, I, you know, and I got, I got a lot of vacations coming up. So, you know, the old me would, you know, not even save or anything. But I figured, well, I better, better put some stuff away, put some money away so I can have a little fun while I'm on vacation. Dude, you should start saving for DopeyCon 3. I, I heard it's going to happen. I heard it wasn't going to happen. There's, there's massive rumors flying around about it. What have you heard? I heard on CNN that it might be in the Bahamas. Wow, that's total fraud. What, what have you heard, actually? I really haven't heard nothing. I'm just talking shit. It's <laughs> happening. It's happening. I've, I voted for it to, on Twitter. I voted it to be in NYC again. You don't want to go to L.A. I mean, I've always wanted to go to L.A. So why are you I'd voting? I'd rather. 
Because because I want to see more shit in New York this time that I didn't get to see last time. The reason you know, I can only go for a weekend. The reason that I think the I mean, like I'd rather do it in New York because it's way easier to deal with in New York. But the reason I'm considering in LA is I think we could get access to a lot more guests, like a lot better yeah. guests. You know, dopey guests that that like have been a part of the show are all in LA. None of them are here, except my friends. Right. Except and Ray. then we could. Well, yeah. And where has he been? He's gone. Ray's in Connecticut right now. He'll 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 be at DopeyCon. Even if DopeyCon is in LA, Ray will go to DopeyCon three. There's no way he won't go. Ray, if you can hear this right now, get the fuck out of Connecticut. He's uh he's he's yeah. he's enjoying his summer on the lake. Um, oh, he's on the lake. Then never mind. That's fine. He's enjoying his time on the lake. Um, so I'm torn about it. So you feel good. You you feel like this fourth year? Because last time we spoke, there was bad shit a brewing, and now things are good. What meeting are you celebrating at? I didn't even know you were going to meetings. I don't. I only go once a year to get uh, my coin. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. But that's but it's good. working, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, it's working, and you are a fine example of recovery, and I appreciate that. What's that beeping in the background? Forklift. What are they moving? Uh, Scott Wick is back there uh, backing up some shit, and he just crashed into a bunch of stuff because he can't drive a forklift. I think he can drive Uh, a forklift, but what are they moving around back there? John Deere tractor parts. They're doing repack back there, and I'm by myself over here in the corner checking tractor seats. It's amazing. Living the dream. Fucking A. Easy money. Well, listen, I, I, I love to hear from you, and I love to imagine the Iowan. Is it hot? It's hot as hell over here. What's the temperature like? It's 92 degrees outside, and it's probably about 100 and in the warehouse. Yeah, it's like that here today, too. And how are the cats? How are the animals on the farm? The waiting for tonight cats are yes. very well. Yes. I think, I think Heathy's pregnant again. Nice. Because she was gone for two days. Okay. Who knows where uh, she's been? Right. But she was, she's back. She came back. Um, and then her little baby, little baby Butterball is scared of everything. And he just stays in the hog house. Are there any hogs yeah. in the hog house? No, it's just an old, it's an old hog house. We just turned it into the cat house. Now here's the question. Last we spoke, you were very disappointed in the waiting for tonight turnout. How are you feeling with the waiting for tonight these days? I'm feeling I'm feeling like it's really really good on uh, on Facebook, but I think we're about to pull it from Twitter. No, you can't. I won't know it's Friday if I don't see the waiting for tonight tweet. <laughs> right. I need it. Well, well, we've we've been talking about it, so we'll, we'll let it go for a couple more weeks and see what happens. Who's if we? I get some more, the waiting for tonight council. Listen, listen, Dopey Nation. Our Twitter, your Twitter game is sad and it makes me look stupid. So if you're following, if you're a dopey fan, go on Twitter and follow dopey on Twitter. Wait for tonight with Matt and the waiting for tonight council and, and be counted. Right. Right. We got to see some numbers. We got to see some fucking numbers. It's like, I can't get high off. No likes. I don't know what they're thinking about over here. Um, what was I going to (laughs) say? You saw Dan's tattoo. I did pretty on sweet. Twitter. Pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. That's a nice. I still have. Z- you still you know, I still have zero tattoos. Me too. I have zero tattoos. Me too. I, I was imagining. 
I, I don't even know how this happened. I was like walking around and I was imagining getting a dopey tattoo. And then I was like, you're crazy. You're not going to get a dopey tattoo. But I was imagining it for a second. And I'll tell you this also. Now, Dopey Nation, you need to know that Dan, Dan Allen Sr., who used to be formerly known as Dan Ali Sr. of the movie seller, got a tattoo and he tagged me in it. And I was like, what the fuck is he tagging me for in his tattoo? Like, I should care that he got a new tattoo. And then I noticed in his tattoo, he had a little dopey guy. I didn't notice it at first. Yeah, he's got a lot of stuff going on in that tattoo. It's a nice tattoo. I like the, it's like palm it trees is. and the skeletons and the dopey guy. And, and, and Dan just celebrated three years. I think I've passed over Dan All for right. you. So, like, let's celebrate Dan for a second. Congratulations, Dan. Congratulate Dan. Let's hear it for Dan. Oh, whoops. Whoops. Hold on. That's not it. There we go. I'm not good at these sound effects yet. Congratulations, Dan. Now, Matt, tell us the worst thing that ever happened to you. The worst thing that ever happened to me? Was no, just I got hep C. Okay. How's that going? Oh, I got, I got, I've been cured for like a couple months now. Nice. I want you to hit us with the dopey. Okay. Let me see. Hit you with the dopey. Okay. So there is when I was in my active addiction, I had a vehicle. So that's always a good thing to score free dope. And my buddy that was the dealer didn't have any wheels at the time. So he calls me up and say, Hey man, can you pick me up? We need to go re up real quick. I'll hook you up. And it's always a big fiasco and big ordeal with this guy. But I was like, fuck it. I really need to get high. So I got to do what I got to do. So I went and picked him, picked him up. And he's like, we got to go to this house first and grab a scale. And I'm like, Ugh. all right. So we go grab the scale and then we go get the dope. And then he's like, all right, we're going to go over to Marvin's house. And I'm like, no fucking way. Am I going in that house? And he's like, seriously, you just got to go. You, you just, just come on with me. We're going to stop there. We're going to wait up. We'll be out. Well, the problem with Marvin's house is fucking disgusting, dude. It is so gross. I mean, I've heard about it. I've never been in there. So I pull up in the back alley and shut the truck off. And he's like, come on, let's go. I said, nope. He's like, seriously, you can't just wait out here in the truck. I said, I can do whatever the fuck I want. You can go in there and come right back out. And he's like, please, come on in with me. Just please for a second. I'm like, dude, the fucking back door is wide open. Who knows how long it's been open? It's the middle of the fucking night. He's like, I'll give you a bump. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> so I jumped out of the truck and we went into this house and good Lord, was it disgusting. All the lights were on cockroaches, the size of freaking like silver dollars are just like flying around and running around. No fear of man. The refrigerator is cracked a little bit with a strange odor coming out of it. I'm and surprised. Marvin, I'm surprised that you were this fearful of Marvin's house. Like I, I dude, mean, it's so, I don't, uh, I don't like gross houses. I just okay. hate them. Okay. I just, uh, and usually, and I've been in my fair share of gross houses. I bet. And I'm usually pretty, I'm usually pretty polite about it, but this guy, Marvin walks out and he looks like Santa Claus. This guy is just gross, dude. He's like, have a seat. And I'm like, no. And he's like, come on, just sit down on the couch. I'm like, absolutely not. I am going to stand. And so this time I wasn't polite about it. And so my buddy has got the scale and he throws an ounce on it, weighing it up. And I shit you not, a fucking cockroach flies around lands on the scale on the dope and adds a quarter fucking gram to the scale. And I'm like, I am out of here. This fucking guy's got quarter gram cockroaches flying around. I don't even give a shit about the bump. I think I just left the guy there and just left. Wow. So yeah. That's, that's, a, yeah. There's a couple Ugh. questions I have. 
First of all, when okay. you describe Marvin as being disgusting, you compared him to Santa Claus. So does that well, mean he, when you describe Santa, you describe him as disgusting? No, I'm just, I'm trying no, the he had a beard and was like fat like Santa, but this guy had like no shirt on and was like sweating profusely. And it was just, and he had like, ugh, it was just gross. So he's like, nasty. he's like a real messy version of Santa. Yes, very much so. And the funny thing is, is when I went to prison the second time, he was in reception for fucking being a pedophile. Oh no. Marvin. Yeah, uh, Marvin's the worst, dude. There was like a commercial when I was a kid. I think it was a chocolate milk commercial with messy Marvin. I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't remember what it is. But for some reason, I'm thinking of chocolate milk and messy Marvin. I don't know. Um, so messy. So your Marvin was a, a disgusting Santa esque pedophile that you encountered in prison. Did you say anything to him? Was Marvin ever your buddy? No, hell no. I only met him that one time in his house when cockroaches landed on our dope. And then the second time I saw him was when I was in the reception at Oakdale. The other question and is, he was, how did you know that Marvin's house was so gross if you didn't even know Marvin? Because everybody was talking about it. My, my ex, you know, the one that says, said fucking, it's in the spoon, you dumb fucking bitch. Yeah, she stayed there for like a few days and brought cockroaches in my truck. Okay. Well, there you go. And, uh, and uh, do all cockroaches in Iowa fly? No, not all of them. Just the big giant ones, I guess. I don't think we have, any, ha- we don't have flying cockroaches I, in New York. I don't think the only, the only cockroaches I've really encountered were at Marvin's house, a few disgusting houses. And then at Anamosa state penitentiary, they were outside by the stone laundry room. Flying ones. Were they hissing too, or just flying? No, I think they, because you go up at, you go out at dusk to walk the yard and then there'd be like cracks in the old limestone. And when you got close, they would all run into the cracks. All right. Well, there you go. That's the, that's the story of, of quarter gram flying cockroaches, a Santa-esque pedophile Marvin, and that Matt is doing really, <laughs> really well in, in his four years. And we commend you, Matt. And I love you. And I'm happy you're doing so good. Thanks, man. I I couldn't have made it this far without Dopey. That's for sure. Well, that's the spirit. That's nice. So let's let's give it up for Matt. Hold on. Let me let I hit the right button. Do you think I'm overusing these sound effects, Matt? No, I love them. I'm a sound effects guy. I'm I'm over the world for it, dude. I fucked up. Like like the I, I'm just I'm at my dad's house right now, and I'm in my childhood bedroom, which is my dad's office. And, like, I feel like I have a good handle on the gear right now. This is the most control I've felt with the gear. It feels right. Like, I'm thinking of asking my father if I can build a proper podcasting room in his apartment. That's what I'm thinking about doing. It's got to happen. I mean, you you could do it when he's on the yacht. Right, when when he's in his opulent country estate. He's there now. And it's like, it's like, when my dad's not home, it's like paradise. I swear to God, it's like the greatest place in the world. Do you think he's water skiing behind the SS Leaky right now? I think I think he's uh, I think he's eating escargot and 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 cheersing with champagne on his deck, gazing on all of all of his uh, acres, on his many acres and his and his vessel. It's funny that my dad, my dad, my dad hates it. My dad, he fucking, oh my God, he called me the other day that he needed Katz's 
in the country. He needed pastrami and hot dogs and all this stuff in the country. And, and, and I was in the middle of working and he calls me and he's very like nervous that he's not going to get it. And I was like, dad, do you need it right now? And he's like, no, I don't need it for three weeks. I'm going to freeze it. <laughs> and I got, I got, I got really <laughs> angry at him. And uh, so next week I have to get him this big, crazy Katz's order because he, he does this thing at the lake where people arrive at his dock and he feeds them Katz's to impress them. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It's a very opulent time at my father's in- incredible lake house. I'm going just for the Katz's. All right, well, there you go. Maybe maybe one day my dad will send you the invitation. I know he's going to hear this and be very upset that I said the house is better without him. I feel guilty already. Well, he knows you don't mean it. Right. I'll tell him, tell him I'll, take, I'll take one of our three boats up there. Yeah, you'll, but dude, you should be th- selling off your boats, selling off the RC shit. But it sounds like you're getting your finances in order, so I, I'm happy for that. Yeah, we just got to let them all sit. We're not going to be selling nothing right now. And you, and you, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and you didn't say anything that your girlfriend's going to be pissed about, which is good. Yes, definitely. And bef- before you go, I'm going to say it one more time. You ready? Hold on. Here we go. Yep. Hold on. Fuck. I'm so bad with the, with the fucking technical shit. But before you go, here we go. Here's what's in the spoon, you dumb fucking bitch. Shut the fuck up or you're not getting none of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. How do you feel Hopefully. about your legacy? How do you feel about this legacy, Matthew? I love it. It's more than I could ever want or ever imagine I would ever have. Well, happy four years and thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's always nice to hear from Matt on the show. Matt, uh, when we met him, we met him at DopeyCon. He bought so much gear. He bought gear for all the dopes that couldn't come to DopeyCon, which was beautiful. And Linda thought he was crazy. (laughs) He bought bought hundreds of dollars in dopey gear, and he shipped it to all the dopes around the country, including Colleen MC, who we uh, will always miss, who we lost last year and will always be a member of the Dopey Nation. And um, the Dopey Nation moves me to pieces. We did a Dopey Patreon Zoom last week, and we talked alt-recovery, and it was just, uh, it was very beautiful. We didn't play any game shows, and uh, and it was cool. And we heard from some people who were, you know, this guy Russell in Hawaii who stopped doing Kratom, and we heard from Allie in Canada who just stopped doing ketamine, and it was pretty amazing. So if you're not on Dopey Zoom, I suggest you at least check it out. And, uh, and the alt-recovery movement is bubbling up a little bit, which is very exciting. So who knows what will happen with the alt-recovery movement. I do know one person who's incredibly invested in the alt-recovery movement, and that's Dopey producer Sam. Let's get him on the phone. Hello. Hey, Sam. Uh, who is this? This is Dave. I'm checking in on the show. Uh, we were talking about alt recovery, and then I thought about you because you're so vested in alt recovery, and I was just curious about uh, what your 4th of July is looking like. Well, firstly, I love alt recovery. I consider myself a, a member of the alt recovery nation. It's the alt recovery so, movement, you dummy. What? Can it be both? <laughs> it can be, yes. Okay. Stay strong, Alt Recovery Nation. 
Uh, yeah, and it's it's a big weekend. Uh, it's Fourth of July. I love celebrating Independence Day. I love being independent. Nice. You are very independent. But can I ask you a question, Sam? Uh, I guess. What interferes with your happiness? What prevents you, you from from meeting your goals? You. No, this is an ad, man. This is an ad for BetterHelp. Oh, this is an ad? What are, what are you sneaking a BetterHelp ad up on me? Yes, but this can be really helpful to you. I, I, you know they have over 10,000 counselors and therapists with different areas of expertise, all of whom are licensed, trained, accredited, and highly experienced. Did you know that facing obstacles alone, Sam, can be daunting? Receiving support and guidance from a professional counselor has been shown to make huge positive changes to help you overcome personal challenges. And when you sign up, BetterHelp will match you to an available counselor who fits your objectives, preferences, and types of issues you may be dealing with. Different counselors have different approaches and areas of expertise, so they will work with you to find the right person who can achieve the best results for you. Sam, are you tempted to use BetterHelp? I, I am. I, you know, th- I think that there's so many things that it could do for me. You know, I would like it to, if I can maintain my independence, that would be great. But sometimes I need interdependence. All right. Just relax, Sam. Just calm yeah. down. I, I, you know, that can help you with sleeping, rage, all of your issues, irresponsibility, <laughs> losing stuff, fucking losing stuff. Oh, these are my problems, but better help can help anybody and if you use the dopey code you go to www.betterhelp.com slash dopey you save 10 percent. that's betterhelp.com slash dopey and save 10 percent on your mental health today let better help help you to be better right sam yes let them help you help yourself Yes, let better help help yourself. Sam was trying to write a better help copy, and that was your bit, right, Sam? Yeah, that was my bit that didn't make the cut. Yeah. We never did Sam's artisanal methadone ad. Did we ever do that one? Not yet. That's still yeah, that's still in work. We're workshopping that. If anyone in the Dopey Nation wants to hear Sam's artisanal, uh, I think it was was it artisanal methadone or ayahuasca? It was artisanal ayahuasca. Wow, we I think that's someplace in the archive. Do you have that? Yeah. Yeah, I have that somewhere. So if you want to hear that, you write an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. And it was Sam. I mean, we talked about doing an episode that that kind of uh traces the Toodles for Chris scholarship recipients for a long time. And and I think enough like celebrity people have popped up. And I always kept putting it off or doing shit for Patreon or whatever. And and this week we actually had a time to talk to a couple of the um, recipients, which I really, really enjoyed. And I didn't get to talk to everybody. I got to talk to the first recipient, Josh and, uh, and DJ, who is, of course, the head of the Dopey sales team. Yeah, DJ is doing a phenomenal job. He is kicking ass. Dude, you wouldn't believe this uh, potential cookie dough sponsor that's in the works. Cook, cookie dough? What? But I don't want to say anything else about it. Um, oh, you need to say some more things about that because I love cookie dough. I eat raw cookie dough like it's going out of style. I eat that before I eat it like a cooked cookie. Well, can I tell you a story before we get to Josh? Yeah. So the other day, Linda and Susan come home and they bring... I've been like threatening my family to make... Uh, homemade cookies with me. You know, I threatened Nora to make homemade cookies with me and we just never find the time to do it. 
And same with Susan and, and Linda and, and Nora went to some uh, dinner and I didn't get to go. And me and Susan went to the grocery store and we bought all the ingredients to make cookies. And then I tried to get her to buy the pre-made cookie dough because I just was too tired to actually make the cookies. And she wasn't going for it. But Linda and Susan came home with the pre-made cookie dough and I, I started eating it, you know, and then I made, I, I don't know. I I think I made 10 cookies and I probably ate six of them and, and Nora had four. Right. And then I put the rest of the cookie dough back in the fridge and, and it wasn't the cookie dough tube. It was like the package with the, the squares of cookie dough. You know what I'm yeah, the about? flat package. Yeah, the flat package with either the big or the mini. I like the minis. It was the big, and I, I really, I like them way too much. And I started eating the squares of the raw out of the, the, the fridge, and the fridge was empty besides the package of the raw. And then Linda came home with like a shitload of groceries, and she filled the fridge with food. And um, and I went downstairs after. I think, what were we working on? I was working on, oh, we were, I, I, after I'd fucked up everything last night on the show, I, oh, and, and actually I've been working on music. I was recording, uh, I'm trying to record Good So Bad with these guys, and when I came home, I was like, I'm going to eat something, and I couldn't find the cookie dough, and I had bought some Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream, and I got pissed, and I ate something else. I probably ate chocolate chips or something, and, uh, and then I found the cookie dough, and I was like, I f- you know how like the cookie dough kind of gets crusty in the fridge if you don't seal it up properly? Yeah, I even love that. That's well, delicious. Well, I decided it was going to get bad. So what I did was I took the Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream out of the freezer. And then I, w- I didn't want to go nuts. So what I did was, this, and this is, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. I threw it in the microwave for nine seconds so it would get yeah. mushy. And then I filled it, and then I cut the cookie dough up into smaller pieces, and I put it in there, and I put it back in the freezer. So Ooh, I, nice. So waiting for tonight for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Nice. So, so that's yeah. Haagen-Dazs chocolate cookie dough ice cream, which I don't think exists. Yeah, it's your own blend-in. I, I like the technique and the spirit of, of that. I don't know why they don't do chocolate cookie dough ice cream. Don't they? They no. have cookie dough. They have just regular cookie dough ice cream. But not chocolate cookie dough ice cream. And they also don't have chocolate cookies and cream. Right. I think right. that's a problem. I don't like that. I also, they don't make peanut butter chocolate chip cookies. Why not? I don't know. We should talk to Ben and Jerry. You know, I, I've, I have talked to them. I've sent in flavor ideas. I, one day, one day I dream that Dopey... We'll actually get in the dessert game because I'm built to make dessert. I just am. I have a passion for it. I think I have more of a passion for making dessert than recovery, addiction, dumb shit, or anything. Or anything else. That's for sure. Do you know how excited I am to talk to you about how upset I am that there is no chocolate cookies and cream? There is no (laughs) chocolate um, cookie dough. And chocolate chocolate chip ice cream is so superior that how could these other ice creams not exist? Anyway, I don't want to go crazy with this. I don't want to go nuts. I want to play. You don't want to go. You you don't want to go more nuts than you're already going nuts. Right. I mean, I would add nuts to the ice. I would add. <laughs> pe- I would add peanuts. Uh, I see. I I don't think nuts belong in ice cream. That's that's my firm stance. You know, I totally agree with you. I because yeah. once you freeze a nut, you're like looking at broken teeth. I exactly. mean, did, I, did you ever hear about the the ice cream flavor? I I supposed. 
Yeah, didn't you have a couple that you pitched them? I pitched them one. It was called Pat's Crispy Kindness, and it was vanilla ice cream with Rice Krispie Treats circles covered in fudge with a ripple of fudge through the vanilla, right? So you'd have yeah, these... That, yeah, that sounds all right. Yeah, but how big are the Rice Krispie balls? It doesn't matter because they'll break your okay. fucking teeth. You know, no matter how yeah. big they are, those shits, when they freeze, they're going to break your teeth. So that oh, wasn't yeah. a good idea. And I don't think putting nuts in the ice cream is a good idea either. And the Othello cookie, just stand back and stand by because it's coming. Just wait. All right. Anyway, more importantly, uh, the first Toodles for Chris scholarship recipient, his name was Josh. He was from Wisconsin and his story was pretty sad, but ultimately it's very triumphant. So you want to hear the Josh Clark thing? I do. I love Josh and I can't wait to hear how he's doing. Um, he, he's a, he's a prize member of the, uh, Toby nation and, and the first recipient of the toodles for Chris scholarship. I just, I just said all that stuff. I know that was lame. Cut that out. I'm not going to cut that out, but I am going to thank you for coming on Another episode of Dopey. Was it magical for you, Sam? Yeah, it was pretty magical. And I just want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July uh, and happy Independence Day. But I've got to go hang my 4th of July bunting all over my house and my fence and smoke some sausage. What is bunting? Bunting? Bunting's uh, like giant, like 40 foot long by 4 foot wide, red, white, and blue, uh, basically giant ribbon. So you're not really it's, doing that. You just wanted to say bunting. I did want to say bunting. All right. Well, I love Fourth of I love Fourth of July bunting. You're, you're, and I, and you're I, ruining I, you're ruining the show and Josh Clark's appearance. I didn't mean to. Uh, I don't mind ruining the show because I don't think that's possible. But I do mind ruining Josh's appearance. Love Josh. So here's, stay strong, Dopey Nation. Here's Josh. So I'm on the phone with my friend and the recipient of the first Toodles for Chris scholarship. It's almost like two years later. His name is Josh. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Dave. Good to be back. How you feel? I'm feeling good, man. Feeling very good. Definitely in a better position nowadays than I was last, you know, when we first met. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and anyone in the Dopey Nation, if you don't remember, uh, we met Josh uh, after his girlfriend, his fiance, died. Her name was Ashley, and Josh was a mess. Right? That that is true. Definitely a mess. And uh, using a lot of meth and heroin, you know, things were not going in a good place. But, I mean, you helped you helped direct it back to a good place, you know, with the mountainside scholarship and then the transcend scholarship. Those both, I mean, those were lifesavers. Well, the funniest thing, the funniest thing is that Josh got the scholarship to mountainside and, uh, and I became the point of contact for the scholarship and the, and the therapist would call me and be like, Josh wants to leave. I I feel like, was it around Valentine's day? Was that? Yeah, it was. Valentine's weekend, was, but you did good, man. You, you talked me into staying, <laughs> and it kind of guilted me into it. But that that worked. I gave you the Jewish guilt. <laughs> what did I say? Yeah, you did. 
I pretty much said, you know, you can't fuck this up, man. You're like the first one. You don't want to ruin it. You know, just stick it out. And, and I did, you know, by that next Monday, Tuesday, I remember I called you, you know, and thanked you. And then you got the second scholarship to Transcend Recovery Sober House in California, and you went on that crazy mission from uh, Connecticut yeah. to California mm-hmm. by way yeah, of Wisconsin. First time, yeah, first time on uh, both sides of the country. That's crazy. I mean, that. I mean, to me, that's like. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you know, you're almost, you're, you're in harm reduction sober. You're in, you're in, you're in, mm-hmm. you're not smoking meth, shooting meth, shooting dope, smoking dope, snorting oh, yeah. dope. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a, all a great win, but I think the idea of you getting two places to live, one on the East coast and one on the West coast from our little podcast and, and those, mm-hmm. and those entities mountainside and transcend. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm amazed that that happened. And then the fucked up thing was that you got to transcend right as the pandemic was hitting. Right. 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 I mean, I guess if you're going to be in a, any spot when a pandemic hits, a sober house is probably the place to be if you want to maintain sobriety. But you were like, fuck this. I got to get out of here. Yeah, right. Yeah, I did the two months, you know, and and yeah, I did. I felt trapped. I mean, I think I had messaged you at one point. I was like, I kind of feel like I'm trapped in paradise here, you know. But I mean, I don't know how much of it was the pandemic and how much of it was just my mindset at the time still, you know, coping and dealing with not just the newfound sobriety, but then all those emotions and everything that came with it that I hadn't been dealing with, you know? Um, but yeah, it worked out. I mean, after the two months I flew back and then it was probably a little bit too early cause I relapsed pretty quickly first with fentanyl. And then a little later, the last relapse, I think you guys had talked about on the show when I messaged you about my aunt, you know, in September, the middle of September, that was with meth. Um, which sadly then my aunt, I cut off ties with her. She overdosed on fentanyl and died. Oh my God. uh, Three months after that. Terrible. Um, when the first relapse, when you got back, can you tell the story? Uh, yeah. I mean, I got back and it, it was with my aunt again, you know, I mean, we were kind of, you know, partners in crime as it goes with drug use. Um, how long, I, I how back, long, how long had you been using with your aunt? How much older was she than you? Um, she was oh, quite a bit older. She was, I think she, she was 62. Oh my God. 61, right. When she died. So, I mean, yeah, what? there's a huge gap. I'm, I just turned 39. So when was the first time you got high with your aunt? Um, it was, I was 11. It was, uh, weed to start with. And then, uh, she was always on tons of benzos and shit. And so pretty quickly I was getting benzos and muscle relaxers and then and methadone and, and eating mushrooms with their, you know, I mean, cocaine, I think by the time I was 14, all with her, you know, smoking crack with her. Yeah. She's yeah. like the worst influence. <laughs> She's the worst <laughs> in the history of ants. 
I know. I mean, my all my other the rest of my family sees it that way, and I'm I'm start. I recognized that it was, you know, I was super defensive over her actions. You know, just I probably as an addict because she was a good source of drugs. You know, like I didn't want to cut ties with that. And you and I mean, you guys were obviously close too. You loved her. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, uh, yeah, I did. You know, un- unconditionally. What was your you relationship? Know, was what was your relationship with like her with her before you started smoking weed with her, and then as you started using more and more with her? Tell us the story because this is really interesting. I think. Well, strangely, my mom said me and my you know I have uh, brothers and sisters, and she has other nephews and nieces but my mom said we were always super close like from the get-go like when i was you know a little little child not that 11 isn't a little little but she said i was like her little little bumpkin she would call me and we hung out you know a lot and yeah i was really close with her i mean she was she was like the cool you know influence it seemed in my life and it I guess once we started smoking weed it almost it just reinforced that you know and we it probably bonded us a little more especially since then I you know we had these the secret yeah things that we got to hide from the rest of the family you know and that pretty much continued to some degree for the rest of her life you know Right. Were you her were you her number one using buddy kind of person or did she have a crew or like who was she getting high with she, besides you? Yeah, she did have a crew. I mean, if when I was around, you know, which was off and on a lot, you know, but there were times sprinkled out throughout there where I would try to maintain distance and stuff, usually when I was like doing good. Um, but when I was around, yeah, we were quite, quite, uh, I was definitely a hardcore member of her crew, you know, but right. she did have a crew. I mean, she had a meth dealer that lived in her house. I mean, she had a better life up in a way that, you know, like drugs were, were the life. Right. So when you, and you, you had told me that like your, your folks, your folks, did they drink a lot? What was the deal with your folks? Yeah, yeah. They they all they all drink. And smoke um, weed? I mean they actually they don't smoke weed, but yeah, they drink a lot, you know. I mean, and it's so and everybody in my family has, you know, like my younger brother, he was addicted to heroin, he was addicted to meth. My sister, my younger sister, she was addicted to cocaine and crack. Right. You know, and um, my older brother, he was in the military, but he had alcohol problem. What's up with all of them now? um, uh, My little brother, as far as I know, he's been maintaining sobriety for the last two, three years. Nice. Or even a little longer. I know he had a relapse. He moved down to Texas kind of to get away from the meth scene. Cause he had kicked heroin actually. He was quite a bit younger and then kicked heroin. And then later after being clean for 
probably two or three years off heroin, discovered meth. He's gay too, so you know it's a big part of the gay scene. And you know that then was a huge, you know, as soon as he discovered it, it was like immediate, immediate addiction, you know. And he even recognized it. Totally, like he was pretty honest and open about it with all of us in the family, you know. Which I mean, put me in a weird situation because, you know, I was always telling him, you know, like the meth, the fucking heroin is retarded, like. You, you can't do that shit, you know, like you're, you got to get out of that. And then here I am like fucking years how, later, how did doing you, both of them? How did you get, he was younger than you. He started on both those uh-huh. drugs before you started on the, those drugs. How old were you when you started on meth and heroin? Um, I, I tried meth the first time, but didn't begin for over a decade when I was in my twenties, it was with my aunt. And at the time, I mean, I was still few, I was, you know, how when you're, you're in the drug scene, like until you hit the meth and heroin, you know, until you do them in more consistently, your view is they're like the black sheep of the drug family, you know, like, well, at least I'm not fucking doing meth or heroin. Right. And that gives you a way to do whatever the fuck you want. And then but when, then once, yeah, yeah. What, what was it like? Yeah. When did you become addicted to meth and heroin? How did that happen? Um, it was, it was definitely a result of my relationship with Ashley. I mean, she had a long standing opiate ish problem and she was dealing with that when we were together. She, she was actually clean for like the first year or something. I mean, once, uh, our place got raided and shit. She ended up, she wanted to relapse and I felt so guilty because her kid got fucking pulled out of the home. Like my actions had fucked up, you know, why did the place get life. raided? Oh, uh, it was a marijuana girl. Ah, and that fucked her whole life up. Cause then, cause then it, she's a bad it, parent yeah. or whatever. And okay. Right. And then she relapses yeah. on, on heroin. Yeah, which I readily, I mean, at, at that point, I hadn't seen my aunt for a couple of years. I, at that, I was growing weed. I mean, she had actually came down to help trim once, but, you know, like, we didn't have much contact. I wasn't getting drugs from her. I was trying to tell her, like, you need to smoke the weed, get rid of the fucking mess, you know, it's retarded, that type of shit, but... Then once Ashley wanted to relapse, you know, it was, and I was totally falling into, you know, whatever part of the manipulativeness it was to get me to do it. I was, oh, I felt so guilty. I, I figured I'm like, well, if anybody can get heroin, it's going to be my aunt. And so, of course, she could. And so we ended up then starting to go to my aunt's again. And my aunt, you know, had the meth dealer living there so then we'd be there to get heroin which ashley was overdosing on like an insane amount i remember that and you guys would have narcan there mm -hmm. like and she would she would want you to be ready with the narcan every time yeah yeah i mean there was a good nine times that i saw her essentially die of an overdose you know a couple times the ambulances 
were called. And then after that, you know, yeah, we had Maricam at the ready all the time. But, I mean, in the end, that obviously wasn't enough, but. Well, it's impossible. So time, it's impossible you know, to have to have it ever be enough. You know, it's like you right, can't you can't right. control that fate. And I know that your no. mind probably goes back there all the time, but you can't control that fate. You did everything you could do. Right. Um, yeah, and that I I reconciled with. You know. And maybe you reconcile with it right now, and maybe you reconcile with it all day, and then you have some thought that you could have. But that's just the way dealing with right. anything right. like this is. I think. Right. Right. You no, know? I totally agree. I, I, I get and, it. And, yeah. Same with my aunt. You know, I mean, like I said, I cut ties after that September, the middle of September relapse where she showed up with meth. And I told her, you know, like we couldn't, there we couldn't hang out. Like I, it just wasn't going to work for me. That was post, and, that was post scholarship. Yeah. So yep, tell, tell was, us that uh, story. You get, you, you, you're like coming home. Was she like Mr. Big Shot, Mr. Po- you know, <laughs> Mr. Recovery <laughs> Podcast Scholarship? Was she mocking the dopey scholarship? What did she say about it? In in action, she was mocking it, but not in like sed- sediment or sentiment. You right. know, like she tried tried to be supportive, but then she would have meth and fucking fentanyl, you know, like and be offering it to me. So it was like. Paint that picture for me. Like you, you've just gotten home from California. I guess you you succumb. Is that a word? You succumb to to weed and booze pretty quickly. And that was probably yeah. So when when she shows up with the meth and the dope, like what's the? She's like, what do you think, Josh? What does she say? Um. Well, actually, the first time I I drove up to her place, and mm. she even you know she's like, well, yeah, I'd love to see you. You know, she's like, but. You know, obviously we're all still using here, you know, she's like, I don't know how you feel about that. And and actually at first, you know, I was completely uh, retarded about it and was like, oh, well, no, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good on that. And I went and hung out like they're all doing meth and shit. And, and I was able to say no to the meth at first, but then, you know, I was still not in a good mental space with the whole just everything and decided I just wanted to numb that shit again. And that was, I was specifically, you know, seeking out the opiates. Sure. And, uh, and so it was easy for me to stay away from the mess kind of, cause it was like, I don't really want to be awake, (laughs) you know, or like, up. but, uh, and, with the fentanyl, then there, you know, one of the, once I, you know, used it there once, then there was like the members of the crew that were just happy to drive a fucking hour or so to bring me whatever I wanted, you know, especially the dude that had sold me the fentanyl that killed Ashley. Cause I think that was his way of trying to reconcile his own guilt. How did that happen? How did you wind up dealing? How did you wind up dealing with that? Like, how did you, how was he the guy on the scene? Was he your aunt's guy? Yep. He was oh, part of the crew. Yeah, part of the crew. And I'm sure he sold her the shit that killed her, you know? I mean, he was still in the game. And and were you like, I want fentanyl? Were you were like, I want fentanyl, not I want heroin? Uh, just, 
yeah, I, I wanted opiates. Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, fentanyl was about all you could get at that point. I'm assuming it's the same now. You know, if there's any fucking heroin in it, it's minuscule amounts. Do they sell it as fentanyl or do they sell it as heroin and everyone knows it's fentanyl? Mostly they sell it as heroin or, you know, the generic dope. Right. But otherwise, sometimes, like when I bought that fentanyl that killed Ashley, I bought it from him as fentanyl. It was supposed to be white china. Right. But it ended up actually being car fentanyl, which is a fucking right. the most... hundred times stronger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. So how did you get out of it, Josh? How did, how did you not wind up totally going right back to where you started from? Because you sound good. Josh is doing all this crazy chainsaw art now. He's got some beautiful hippie girlfriend. He's living the life out yeah. there. How did you not fuck it all up, Josh? I think, I mean, the, the girlfriend part did help a lot. I mean, but I, before that was able to work, I had to kind of realize that I, it was just a realization, you know, like that this is not, my life's still shitty. Like what, how am I thinking that this is going to help it? Especially looking at the fucking anecdotal, anecdotal evidence that I've seen myself, you know, like why would I think that the thing that fucked my life up is going to be the thing to fix my life? That's, you put that very well. That's a very, that's a perfect phrase, you know, but it takes, I mean, it takes so long to get to that phrase, right? It takes, it takes, it, it does. I mean, yeah, it takes fucking death. It takes just my, my body was falling apart from the meth. I mean, I've had to have my forefront teeth pulled out. I mean, that was first date with this hippie, my girlfriend, I had to explain to her like, well, also I have no front teeth. You know, so that was a huge hurdle. To, <laughs> but she to was still into it. <laughs> yeah, and she fucking handled it like a champ. And I was like, holy fuck, this, this could actually work. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And, she, and she's, she's uh, sober. She's got uh, seven years now. She smokes weed, but being sober from alcohol, she never got into the harder shit, really. But she uh, had you know, big issues with alcohol. I mean, she bit a cop once at the kind of pinnacle of her addiction, bit a cop in the neck and got sent to jail for nine months. And kind of, that was her wake up was, you she know, bit a cop in the neck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You would not, you meet her or you see her, you would not. Did she bite a piece that. of the neck out? It it punctured the skin. For oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, she didn't react well to alcohol. Wasn't, and she was already on probation for a previous alcohol-related fight. So, I mean, it wasn't going good places for her either. In her sobriety, she's, you know, been sober now long enough, I mean she's been very patient with me, you know, because for her, it's, she's like, I'm kind of over it. You know, like I did it. I'm sober. Like now I'm kind of looking at it. Like just get fucking sober. <laughs> you know, like what was, why can't what, you- what was, what was your worst episode with her? Like that she got super frustrated or you got super frustrated. Like um, around 
drugs. It, it, I was going to say it's it's all been drugs, except for you know the last one we were just talking about. But it was the my, my aunt using with my aunt. You know, I wasn't even able to tell her about it for like two or three weeks, and so then I mean. When I, the way I told her about it actually was I let her listen to the dopey episode where I talked about it. And, you know, that was hard for her to hear that I wasn't able to tell her, you know, I mean, she was more hurt at first because she said she could have tried to, she'd known, you know, that I was having the inclination that I might use, which I was immediately after talking to my aunt and she said she was going to come down she didn't say she had math, but I knew, right. I knew, you know, she was going to have math. <laughs> and so I was like, already, I mean, she got there and immediately pulled the bubble out and was like, Oh, I mean, are you using, or is there, what are, all right. If we, uh, smoke in front of you, I'm like, I'm using, you know, <laughs> like she barely got the sentence out of her mouth and I had the fucking bubble in mine. But totally. You know, totally. That, yeah. It's, it's all been, yeah, it's been just the drugs that has been the rocky part, you know, and, and then it was drinking to a point because she's not, you know, she can handle people drinking around her. But when I got to a point where I was totally replacing shit by just drinking, you know, on a daily level, that wasn't fun to her, you know, like totally. she it got out of the fucking bar saying she didn't need to live at a house with it, you know, and I totally got it, you know? Yeah. And for a minute, your aunt was probably the other woman in your relationship where you're oh, run- for sure. Like you're yeah, running home, sure. you're running to see her. Yeah. And, um, yeah. did you ever, in the end, like your aunt, she OD'd or she died from COVID. She OD'd on the same fentanyl. fentanyl, the same, the same story. And and when was the last time you yeah, saw her? It was that that September, you know, sixteenth when she showed up and we smoked meth. Um, <clears throat> I had talked to her via text, you know, twice since then. Um, but then she passed away, and uh, it was uh, February, the beginning of February, and like in October, I had she had messaged me. She had. Uh, just finally got her husband kicked out. She had been trying to for a couple of years and actually kicked out the meth dealer. And she, sadly, she messaged me and she said she was at her house alone, you know, and that she, she wanted to change the locks, that she was scared and she was lonely. And I, she want, essentially wanted me to come like comfort her, you know, or, and I told her, you know, like, like, you need to find somebody else. Like, I'm sorry, but I can't. Like, I just can't put myself in that position. It would have been too dangerous for you. You would have been using. It would have, for sure. As soon as I would have said I'm on my way, I would have been, in my mind, I was already high, you know? You had, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally get that. And And do you feel guilty about that, though? that she asked you to come and you couldn't come and then she wound up dying. Like, yeah. I, I'm sorry, Josh. I, yeah. I hate right. that. Like fucking that. It's like, right. You know, I mean, 
I, I definitely, I did feel guilty about that, you know, but it's like, I, I just have to cut myself a break, you know, Ex- you need to keep, yes, yes. I'm doing what's best for me and what's best. If I do what's best for me, that's doing the best, what's best for everybody else, because I got to be my best to give my best. You know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, I know, you know, definitely. And, and it's like, and it just sucks. You know what I mean? Like how much tragedy do you have to go through? But I think mm-hmm. everything you said, you know, you're not going to beat tragedy by doing the thing that kills everybody. You're going to beat the tragedy right. by having a good life. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. the best, you know, that's the best outcome that can come of it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And to honor their lives, you know, that's that's what I got to do, you know. And, I mean, I'm, I'm still going and seeing Ashley's boy, Rowan. He's, yeah. He's doing He's doing great. I mean, he uh, he's having a hard time. The last time I was there, I had me and Ashley's mom had talked about it like that. We weren't sure, you know, when it would be appropriate for him to find out that I had a new girlfriend. And the last time I was there, I had said something and I used the term we. And he was like, well, who's we? And I was like, well, fuck, you know, I. Like, I guess this is going to be the time. I'm like, well, I know I haven't told you, but it's my girlfriend, Emily. And he said, he goes, uh, I thought mama was your girlfriend. Oh my God. And I said, yeah. And I said, uh, that, uh, when he said, are you replacing mama? And I told him that, uh, no, that I can never replace his mama, you know, that, uh, but I didn't want to be alone for the rest of my life. You know, what did he say? I mean, I know he just kind of quieted up and moved it, kind of went on, you know, how kids do sometimes. They how just go on to the next thing. He's eight. Oh yeah. He'll get it. He'll get it. It's just heartbreaking. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. heartbreaking. Oh, I know. I know. But it's, I mean, I'm happy that you could see him. You know what I mean? I'm happy that he's in your life. And like, you know, he's going to have a, I mean, Josh, the shit you went through, it's its unreal, to be honest with you. It's its a crazy, crazy story. And the fact that you're having a nice life with a beautiful hippie girlfriend and you're making chainsaw art and you're living on your farm with your dogs and you're doing it up is the best yeah. thing in the world. And, and that kid, he's not, Rowan is not, uh, his life doesn't have to go badly, you know, and the fact that you can right, be a positive right. influence in his life is another incredible piece. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it's just more, more motivation, you know? Well, I appreciate your story and I'm really, I mean, your story's crazy. You know, I, I, I usually like to bring it back to that. The dopey scholarship saved everything. That the Toodles for Chris scholarship made your beautiful oh, yeah, life it, possible. It, but it helped. <laughs> dude, your story is, is too powerful for me to make fun of uh our part of it. But I'm glad that we're friends and I'm glad that, that we can too, man. that we can talk or whatever and, and, and exist in each other's lives and that you're doing good. You know, just stop giving strippers uh cigarettes. Right, right. That they already not gonna do that again. Uh, <laughs> classic. Um <laughs> Please be in touch, Josh, okay? I will, Dave. It's good to talk to you. It's good to talk to you, too.
Um, let's let's be in, yeah. Be fucking huh? be fucking in touch. Okay. I will. I'll keep in touch. You were you trying to say stay strong, dopey nation. You said something else. What did you say? No, that's yeah. I said. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. What did I say? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Stay strong, dopey nation, and tools for Chris. Thanks, Josh. I love Josh. His story is so tragic, but also so triumphant. He's doing well. I can tell he's doing well. I didn't mention it when he was on, but he made this incredible wood carved dopey nation sign that he that he, he he's like a chainsaw artist he makes the most amazing chainsaw art and um i love i mean i love i, I don't talk about this enough and i i don't even talk about it in my personal life enough but i love that dopey has put me in touch with all these people that i never would have met you know all these guys are in my life now because chris and i started the show and women all these people are in my life and it means a lot to me Again, I'm going to big up the Dopey Nation Zooms because there's 24 Dopey Nation Zooms, and, and those guys are so tight. You know, join the Dopey Nation Facebook page. Become part of it. You know, some of these people say they've made their best friends through Dopey, which is very beautiful to me, I have to say. I just, I need to say it because it makes me emotional. Now, we're going to close with this guy who I love. I, I, I don't know why. I think I call him Don because when I first met him, he said he wanted to be called Don. But then right after that, he told everyone to call him DJ. So I'm like left the only person who calls him Don. So Don or DJ has been around Dopey since the very beginning. One of his best friends was one of Chris's best friends and his legend like was in Chris's consciousness when we started doing the show and Chris knew that he worked in Manhattan. So we got him to come down to my old apartment and his show was a classic. And now Don runs the dopey sales department, you know, nine out of 10 dopey ads that we've ever had Don got. And, uh, he's incredible. And, uh, if dopey gets to where I want it to get to, I know Don is going to be a huge part of that. So I'm going to stop fucking going crazy about Don but the, the interesting thing is we met Don and he went nuts, obviously. He kept using and using and using. And, and then we started getting those treatment scholarships from DopeyCon. Mountainside set it up and we started getting these different treatments to different facilities. And I contacted Allo, who is, of course, our big sponsor. And I said, would you guys give us uh, a scholarship? And they gave us a nine-month scholarship. And I spoke to Don, who was in bad shape, and I asked him if he wanted it, and he did. And just when COVID was happening, he got the flight to Aloe, and, and he went to Aloe for nine months. And I think he's coming up on, I don't know, 17 months, 18 months, 16 months, thereabouts. But enough talk about Don or DJ, whatever you want to call him. He's awesome, and here he is. All right, so I'm on the phone with my very good friend and... uh Former Dopey guest in the heyday of Dopey. Dopey legend. Fuck it. Dopey. And Don, what do you, what, what's the, what's the title you give yourself? Uh, addict, alcoholic. No, the Dopey <laughs> title. When you reach out. Oh, uh, head of sales. The head <laughs> of the Dopey sales department. You might know him as DJ. I've for some reason gotten to call him Don. Welcome back to the show. All right. Thank you so much. Applause even. Wow. Right? Look at that. Yeah, that's nice. Wow. That's nice. And uh, 
impressive. Dude, when I talk about Dopey, to, like yesterday, okay, I had a meeting yesterday with a, uh, a talent booker, okay? Because I'm, try- you know, uh-huh. you know, I'm trying to do whatever I can do here. And, and they, when they ask me about Dopey, I don't talk about Dopey anymore. Do you know what I talk about? What do you talk about? I talk about you and your incredible story. <laughs> The incredible uh, journey of Don. I'm blushing. I'm serious. I, I, when I talk to people about Dopey, I tell them your story because it's insane. And you've been on Patreon a bunch of times and, and told bits and pieces of the story. But, and, and, but for, for all of you guys in the Dopey Nation who haven't, you know, who don't listen to Patreon, I know there are people out there that don't listen to Patreon, you fucking ungrateful bastards. Um, and, and, Jerks. Jerks, fucking ungrateful jerks. They, uh, but they don't know your story. And and if you remember this person, DJ was on. What episode were you on? Uh, episode thirty-two. Episode thirty-two in the first in my apartment on the Lower East Side with Chris talking about stealing Vicodin, a, a big jug of Vicodin, fucking Scientology rehab. He was a waiter at Nobu at the time. You were on methadone. I can't believe it's been this long, right? It's wild, man. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a long road. Yes. And, and but it's please. But yeah, it's been a long road and I, I can't believe that uh that I'm now out here in California and my life is so totally different. I mean I thought that I thought that I had it all going on back then in, in 2016 when we spoke on, you know, on the show with Chris and on methadone, you know, I thought I had it all figured out and um, I just, I, I didn't. And shortly after that time, you know, I would start using again. Shortly after that time, my, uh, my dad uh, would end up taking his own life, which uh, actually yesterday was the seven year anniversary of so it's been it's been seven years since we first met which is yeah it's just wild that it's been that long and so much has happened and um yeah still be alive had he just died had he just died when he went on the show um when he went on the um or it had been a year i guess it had been close i guess he i guess how does how would that work i guess he he had just died then. And you were probably, no, I, you no because the show, we recorded the show, I want to say five and a half years ago, uh, episode 32, because we started the show in January of 2016. We did two shows a week for, you know, so episode 32 is going to be maybe at the, at the end of 2016. It's probably November or December of 2016. Okay. So, so yeah. So he had died like a year, a year prior, a year and a half prior. So yeah. I was I was going through it. So at that time, I may have even picked up. I may have even been using at that time. I may have even been doing heroin and, and not and not telling anybody about it, which was which was typical of me. So I may have even been high on the show, to be honest with you, uh, because I remember after my dad dying, like pretty shortly thereafter, um, picking up heroin again because I just couldn't. I just couldn't deal with it, you know. Um, and that's why I, I started using drugs in general, just not being able to deal with emotions uh, at all. And, you know, uh, it's been interesting this time around dealing with emotions and 
being sober and picking up other things. Um, you know, I've been, it's been about a year and a half since I've, since I've done heroin or alcohol or, or weed, but what about I've crack? Had, uh, what about crack? Have you done crack in a year and a half? Or crack? No crack. Math? No crack either. No meth. Ecstasy? No narcotics. Okay, okay. But no hold on. Narcotics. Before before we go down your incredible crypto kratom hole, your K hole. Um, yeah. I, I want to talk about. I mean, like after you did the interview, I remember like everyone loved that episode. People still talk about that episode. And me and Chris would talk about that episode and we would be like, oh, uh, DJ was so good, but he's not sober. And, and he's, you know, he's his, you know, your stories were so wild and your addiction was so in bloom. Uh, I remember that right before Chris died, he was like, I want to get DJ back on the show because he's got crazy stories, like because you were in active addiction at the time. And I don't think I don't think Chris knew it. Um, but shortly after that, Chris died and I reached out to you and we started talking and, uh, and I didn't realize how deep, uh, your addiction was at the time. And you were in, in Michigan again, right? Yeah. And why don't you paint the picture of, of the, of going from New York to back home and, and, and how your drug addiction came in to effect. Don't worry about the time. I was an idiot. Uh, um, okay. Um, if you say so, because I can, I can talk, I can ramble. Um, no, yeah, so, no kidding. <laughs> I know. Um, so I basically I bottomed out in New York um, completely. I had been in a I had been in a five year relationship that was off and on. Um, I would uh, get kicked out, like I would get caught using, and then get kicked out, and then work my way back in. It was a cycle um, that kept repeating itself. And finally she was, she was done for good. And so I had uh, moved back in with actually the guy that I had originally moved out to New York and stayed with uh, a gentleman that I met in the Scientology rehab named Gary, who was this great, uh, this great guy, this like spiritual guru of a guy I had met back in with him actually on uh at 27th street and sixth Avenue, right near where you grew up, right down the road. Right. I'm there. I'm on 27th and eighth right now. We continue. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right there, I love that area. Um, so I was living there and I got my job back at Nobu because I had, I had lost the job at Nobu for doing shady shit. So I was back at Nobu. And at this time, what was was the shady shit? I was stealing tips. Like people would, we were supposed to turn in all of our cash, like any cash that we got, we were supposed to turn into the bartender. And I was, um, I was deleting items off people's bill when they would pay in cash. Like I would say that they, they didn't like it and that they, um, returned, returned it. it to the kitchen right? so that the manager would take it off and I would just pocket the cash. So I was doing shit like that, like a lot, like blatantly. And I was also like, like going downstairs to the bathroom and getting high in the bathroom during the shift and just, just like falling off big time. Um, so I got my job back at Nobu. I had freaking uh, gotten back in Ashley's good graces for the upteenth time. Um, I was back, I was back, uh, I was coming back. I was making a comeback and I had like cut back on, on getting high too. I was still on methadone, but was, um, was like not shooting Coke and heroin every day. So, 
uh, I go to, uh, I go to work one day and I come home and, um, and I, and I find Gary on the floor dead Oh my and God. he's dead with, um, with a bunch of, uh, drugs on the table, like, like, uh, you know, a bunch of pills that had been crushed up and two bo- a bottle of 90 Dilaudid that was like pretty much full and a bottle of 90 Klonopin that was pretty much full. And so, you know, of course, like a good drug addict, I like, you know, I put the pills away in, in my, in my things. And I, I call the police, like after I do the lines off the table. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. How did you never tell me this story before? Dude, I don't know. (laughs) I think I repressed it in part because it was like so traumatic to, uh, find his body. Yeah. Cause it was, it was really traumatic and he was really, he was really, I was really close to him. He was really close to me. Um, because he really, he really looked out for me and he made New York possible for me. Um, did you know, did you know he was using, um, I didn't know he was using, he had been hospitalized for plasher fasciitis, plantar fasciitis. Um, That's the, the foot thing. Yeah. That's the foot thing where it's like really painful, crazy, uh, foot thing. And, um, so he had been hospitalized for a couple of weeks and he had gotten out of the hospital that day, but before he had gone into the hospital, he had talked about being really depressed. And so he was drinking, but at Scientology rehab, they told us that if, if alcohol wasn't our problem, that we could drink, <laughs> which is, nice. which was, which was always <laughs> interesting. So, so he, so he believed that he could drink, you know, with, with impunity. So he was doing a lot of that, but not using drugs, at least to, to my knowledge. Um, so anyways, uh, you know, I, I do the drugs off the table and call the, call the police. And so it was just bizarre. So I go to sleep and the next day, um, I, I had been relatively clean, but I, I take some of the, uh, some of the lot and some of the clonopin and I go dose that morning um, and then I show up to work at Nobu and I'm too fucked up and I'm nodding out towards, I almost made it to the end of the shift, but I, I, I don't, and I'm nodding out and they send me home. And so, um, and then another part of it that was really bizarre is that one of my coworkers accused me, he called me that night and I didn't answer because I was too fucked up he accused me of breaking into his apartment, his apartment in Chelsea. This is a guy that used to dog wash for, uh, for my ex-girlfriend and I, um, he accused me for breaking into his apartment because as I was walking out of Nobu that day, like, like having been sent home, he, he, um, knowing that I was fired, he felt like I was in a really desperate place and that I, knowing he was at work wrote was going to break into his place because there was like medication stolen and in an urn that was broken. And he was convinced that I had broken in and like gone through the urn and was looking for drugs and all this stuff. And the craziest part is that I don't know if it's true or not. Like I <laughs> honest to God, you don't know if don't you did. No, I don't know if I did it. I really fucking did. Cause I was on so much Klonopin and um and fucking delauded and methadone and and vivance and you know whatever else what do you think um, do you think you did or you didn't so i have this weird memory of of being in a in a dark room 
with with what in my mind is like an urn and sticking my hand into it. But that memory only came about after he mentioned that to me. He planted so this if, fake urn memory on you, basically. It's possible. Right. That's possible, but it's also possible that I did it. But the thing about it is I'm like, well, how would I have how would I have gotten into the apartment? Uh, didn't you lock the door? And he said, yes. And so um, I, I was thinking that it was maybe like an ex boyfriend or an ex somebody that had a key because he used to do meth and he had gotten clean off of meth, but he had, he had hung around with some questionable figures. So I think that it was someone who had a key to his place and got in that way. Cause because uh, he lived in Chelsea, it was a walk up, and you know it's not the type of like there's no window that I could have gone through. It was like five stories up. So no, but the funniest anyways. part, the funniest part is that in your memory, you remember being in a dark room with an urn. Like <laughs> it's like that's that is too that's funny, and it's dark too. Because I mean, it's like all this death on top of each other. Your dad, Gary, then this story. It, it, it's all. It's like that's where like self medication and trauma is really comes out right that's interesting yeah i hadn't thought of it i hadn't thought of it like that but yeah absolutely um absolutely and so yeah man so i lost the job at nobu and uh and and i had been living at gary's place paying him rent and it turns out that i got i got a hold of the apartment company and it turns out he hadn't been paying rent for months and so in order to stay in his rent controlled apartment his, his apartment was like 1800 bucks rent controlled. So it was obviously a good, a good price, but he hadn't paid for months. So, so in order to stay there, I would have had to, to pay, you know, a couple months back pay. And I, you know, I didn't have a job. I couldn't do it. And so, um, I was fucked. I was totally fucked and paralyzed with fear. And so I reached out to an old AA friend in gross point, uh, in Michigan who wound up flying out to New York, renting a car and literally picking me up with, with, and going to, uh, going to the storage unit in Brooklyn, getting all my stuff and then, and then, um, and then driving me back to Michigan, which is just like insane that somebody was willing to do that, but he probably saved my life. Cause I don't know if I would have made it back. So then I'm back in Michigan and, and I start using like immediately, I end up going to treatment three times that year, three times in, in, in the span of that year. And by, and then after the third time I somehow get off methadone some, and the way that I got off of it was by, by, uh, weaning down in, in treatment right. while I was in treatment and then, um, doing heroin after I got out of treatment because I couldn't handle the withdrawals. Yeah. And then eventually getting off heroin by using Suboxone. And then, um, and then I eventually got off the Suboxone when I got to aloe. But before I got off the Suboxone, I started doing heroin again. But in between that time when I was on Suboxone, I lived in a sober living for a few months and was doing well. And that's, um, I think I was talking to you at that time, but in that time I managed to get a decent job for FCA Fiat Chrysler. Um, I got it through the, uh, through a member in AA and I was making, uh, like good, like good money, you know, better money than I'd made in I think ever. And, um, 
and I was saving it, you know, and it was like bizarre to have money and it was uncomfortable because usually whatever money I made, I spent immediately on drugs. So inevitably, you know, it's like too much to have money and, and one thing goes wrong and then another. And I, I'm having issues with guys at the sober house and I decide I'm going to move out. And so before I end up moving out one day, I go and decide that I want to smoke crack. So I go to my old dealer and smoke crack and then get busted on a, on a piss test, which I tried to fake at the car dealership. Um, yes, but it wasn't a dealership. It was, it was on a, it was building a site. Um, it was, well, it doesn't matter. I I imagined you like a young Don Draper selling Chrysler's in a nice suit. And, uh, that's how I'm, I imagine you in like the fifties on a car that whenever you told me about Fiat Chrysler, I always imagined you as a young Don Draper selling cars <laughs> high <laughs> shooting, shooting meth and heroin in between selling like big Chrysler convertibles. That was my, my vision. Um, but the other I, thing that really cracks me up about you in general, and I've told you this, and I think I've mentioned it on the show is that before any of this even happened, I met a really weird guy in AA who told me about this really handsome waiter from Nobu that he knew <laughs> that was like a terrible drug addict. And it turned out to be you like, it's not so weird. It's like the weirdest thing. Anyway, please keep yeah. going. So we talked when you were in and out and you had heard Chris died and, and like, you were like, fuck. And you wanted to do something with dopey. You know what I mean? You believed in what we were doing even back then. I always, I always believed in dopey from the second I heard about it from Ted Miller, man. I always thought it was so cool. And, um, and I've always been about like diminishing the stigma around addiction and, um, yeah, it's something I'm really uh, passionate about and, um, yeah. And I think the show is amazing. And so to be a part of it is like, is incredible. Um, well, let's get to, that's that's my, my, my favorite part. Well, there's two favorite parts of the story. Um, and you told both of them on Patreon, but I think we need, you need to tell the story of getting your mother hooked on heroin on the show. You need to, we can't oh, not God. have, we can't not have that story on the show. All right. So, so as I like that, that's actually around the part that I'm at, at I sense where, that. I was, where I was. Yes. Um, so yeah. So I, when I was on, when I was on Suboxone, I had started to give my mom Suboxone because she was having issues with pain. She had had breast cancer years prior um, and had, and as a result has a lot of, um, she, she had chemo and as a result has a lot of um, health issues and, and chronic pain. And so I was giving her Suboxone and, and didn't think anything of it was like, you know, she takes it here and there and, you know, it just helps her with her pain. It was hard for me to see her in pain because I'm extremely codependent. She's enabled me for years and years. And as a result, I'm extremely codependent. Um, but also just trying to, you know, I didn't like seeing her in pain. So I started giving her Suboxone. Well, once I started using, they cut me off Suboxone. So I, I didn't have it anymore. Wait, wait, hold on. So well, then, hold on, hold on, hold on. When you gave her Suboxone, did you tell her? Did I tell her what? That you were giving her Suboxone. You were like, Mom, I don't want to see you in pain. This will help. Or did you not tell her what it was? Um, well, I told her I, I didn't really 
I told her what it was, but she didn't really fully know what it was. I kind of just said that, you know, this is, this will make you, this will make you feel better. This is like a, this is a painkiller. Cause she had been, you know, she had been on Vicodin before and she'd been on, um, yeah, I mean, she'd been on Vicodin now before. Now listen, I don't know your mother, and I'm assuming she's a very bright and capable woman, but you're her son who's been addicted to drugs her your whole life. You know what I mean? Like, terrible drug addict. And you're like, yeah. Mom, let me help you with your back pain. This should help. <laughs> Why wasn't she suspicious? Dude, I think partly because she was in so much pain, like physical and okay. emotional, right. you know, okay. like now I feel like I a think, jerk, but yes, continue. No, it, no, no, no. Cause you're right. Like any logical person would be like, would what really have. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to take what my junkie son is giving me to feel better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But she was so, yeah, our relationship is, 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 uh, is different. Complex. Um, it's complex. That's a good way to put it. So, so I eventually got, got, uh, pulled off the Suboxone. They wouldn't give it to me anymore. And, uh, and by this time she's like, she's not dependent on it, but she's, I would say reliant on it. You know what I mean? And so at this time I decide to, um, then give her Kratom because I had had experience with Kratom, uh, a couple, like a year prior when I tried to get off methadone the first time and it had helped me, uh, quite a bit. And for anyone out there listening to this, who's trying to kick methadone or Suboxone for, for that matter, Kratom, uh, helped me, you know, quite a bit. That being said, Kratom itself is addicting. And if you take it for, for more than a couple of weeks, you will have withdrawal effects. So anyone who says, that Kratom isn't addicting and, and it doesn't cause dependency doesn't know what they're talking about because it does. And I've, and I've lived it and be careful. Um, and so I started giving her Kratom and, um, and then, um, and then she, and then how did it work? I don't know. Um, it's very complex what happened. And I think it's very important what you said, because a lot of people in the dopey nation use Kratom a lot of people don't know what they're dealing with. Um, we've heard so many stories about people who figured they were just walking in the park and the next thing they knew, they were in withdrawal from Kratom and went back to dope, which could be yeah. fentanyl, which could kill people. Like I think Kratom is a, it's like, it seems like an innocuous thing, but in reality it's, it's potentially as harmful as anything else. Well, exactly. And I think that that's why like total abstinence for me and for a lot of addicts and alcoholics it is, is got, for me, it has to be the way because any, any substance will, will just throw me off enough and it'll take me out. It'll take me back to what I really want. It's just, it's, it's proven time and time again. Right. Um, right, right, but, right. But, um, so your mom is, you back to your kratom mom. Kratom is really dangerous. Back so to your yeah, mom. so what so what happened was the kratom she got she got um she got uh used to it and it and it stopped working. And so and she had been giving me money. This is before I got the job at FCA and I was I forget what I was doing for money, but I wasn't getting enough of it and I and I started using and so um and so she was giving money, me money for the kratom and so in order to support my habit I needed her to keep giving me money to, 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 
you know, to get dope. And so what I started to do like a total scumbag was I started putting up just a little bit of heroin into the, into the Kratom capsules Why though? and giving them to her. I did it because I wanted her to feel better because the, <laughs> because the, the Kratom alone wasn't, wasn't, wasn't doing the job anymore. And, and also because, yeah, because I wanted her to feel better. So she would keep giving me money too. It was like, it was both to keep getting money and to make her feel better. It was, it was two birds with one stone. And so she continued to do that. And, and I continued to do that basically all the way up until, you know, she drove me to the airport to go to Aloe and I gave her a bag and, 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 you know, told her like this, what was going on. And she like almost like strangled me. Um, well, she doesn't know. She didn't actually know. I told her, I, I told her that I didn't tell her that she had been taking them. I told her that though, that the pills in the bag had a little bit of heroin in them and that she could take them. And she, she looked at me like I was crazy. Um, hold on, but hold on, time out. Hold on. Did you tell her to this day that you spiked her kratom with heroin? No. Oh, Don. And you're saying it on the show. Maybe we shouldn't use this. No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't know because no, she's not going to listen to the show. She would be, she would be so devastated. I'm going to tell her eventually. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell her eventually I've made amends to her and, um, I'm going to tell her eventually I've talked to my sponsor about it. It's one of those things that like, you know, as part of the amend, as part of the amends, it's like, does, does it do more harm than good? Is it really a, a, something that she really needs to know? She's off all that stuff. Now she's getting healthier. Um, it's the craziest. You know, it's that's the craziest story. I, I mean, you've told it before. I don't, I think I might've been, it might've been late at night and I was in my hot attic and I didn't, I couldn't really pay attention to how crazy it was, or maybe I did. But I, I think that's the craziest story in the history of the show. Um, you must have been out of your mind. And I mean, it's fucking sick. It's so sick. It's, it's late stages of like chronic, you know, heroin, crack addiction, fucking sick. Like, it's just, it's so disgusting. And, and just to like sort of, you know, kind of get towards wrapping up here. I was, I was renting out. So I, so no, I no, no, I don't want you to, I don't want you to wrap up yet. Cause I want to, I want to understand this a little bit more before we move on from it. Okay. How did she stop doing the dope? How did um, she, how did she get out of it? What I, I told my sister what, what the deal was. And my sister has eight years uh, clean and sober. I told my sister what the deal was and she, um, is a nurse as well. And she basically went over to my mom's for like five days and just like detoxed her through with, uh, like naturally holistically. Um, that's awesome. What did your sister say when you told her what happened? She hung up the phone and and didn't speak to me for a couple days or for like a day. And then, and then finally realized like that we had to deal with it because I did leave my mom um, a few of the pills. Like I didn't leave her high and dry. I left her a few of the pills at her house. And then I, and then I gave her a bag as I was like leaving out the door to go into the airport. And that's when I let it slip that some of them had heroin in them. 
And, and she was like, are you crazy? Because I was so high myself. I didn't, I, I thought that I had already told her, or, sure. or I don't know what I was well, thinking. Normal, I mean, craziness gets normalized when you're totally strung out on narcotics. Um, yeah. And I remember it very well. I remember that night uh, in my end, it was pouring rain and I was driving to this restaurant to pick up dinner and you were out of your mind and, uh, and, and we had been getting these scholarships and Aloe, our big sponsor, they were going to give a nine month scholarship and, and, and you were like, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, do you want to go get treatment? And you were like, yeah, I remember it was pouring rain and, and it was like, I was like, all you have to do is get a plane ticket and you get to go for nine months. Right. I mean, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty incredible that, that it was so easy to do. Dude, it was, it was amazing. And it, and it's, and it's, it's, it's wild because before that happened, I had been having these like, like visions, literally visions of, of being sitting in the sun with, with palm trees around me meditating. It, like new a couple different times. And when I eventually got to California, there was a space uh, at the sober house that I would sit and meditate around palm trees. It was like, it was total manifestation, total universe shit. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was so easy and, and it was, it saved my life, man. It completely saved my life. I mean, after, after it was said and done, it, it wasn't an easy road actually getting to aloe because I had to, I had to physically make it there, which wound up, which wound up being, you know, quite the, quite the journey. It was, it was as COVID was, was kicking off, you know, it was like mid March. Right. And, um, yeah. And I was totally strung out. I had this incredible abscess that I had let go for, for, for weeks and I had a really high fever. And so I was not only like blown out on clonopin and heroin, but I was also like fever dreaming, you know, and, yeah. and sort of in this like hallucinatory state. And so, um, yeah, so I wound up, I made it to, uh, I, I made it to, to California and got picked up by the rehab and they, um, they brought me back there to, to check me out. And they like took one look at me and my arm. They're like, you need to go to the hospital. And so I woke up in the hospital like a few hours later just like shaking and screaming. And, and the only other time I ever felt like that was when I was 17 coming off fentanyl for the first time ever. I had been on a fentanyl patch and um, it, it was similar because it was just so striking. Um, but anyways, I was shaking. I was in this hospital. I, I didn't know, you know, that it was totally unknown in an unknown state. And it was just, the fear was incredible. And, um, yeah. And I remember I called, I called you and yes. I was like, you were so pissed at me <laughs> shrieking. I was, I was pissed at you because I was like, why did you make me do this? Well, but hold you on. Know? You, you called me because you arrived in California in sunny Southern California high and you didn't tell them you were high and they gave you Suboxone while you were high. Right? Yes, that's right. That's and then, right. And, so then, I was and going, then you go into withdrawal and you go into the precipitated withdrawal. And then they're like, Oh, we got to cut that abscess off. So they cart you down to the hospital while you're in withdrawal. It's like, gotta have been the scariest thing ever. 
Yes. Yeah. It was, it was so, it was so awful. And the, the, um, the nurses and stuff, they, they didn't like me because I was a drug addict and, and, you know, and, and I was like yelling and screaming and being rude. And, and so it was just the, it was the perfect storm. And so at one point, um, I had COVID, I had COVID when you called me. I was all sick oh, too. Right. I was all sick and you were all in withdrawal. And I was like, I kind of feel like I'm in withdrawal too. <laughs> remember? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah I remember You had COVID early. Yeah. You were yeah. one of the early COVIDers. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. You were so sick and I was like, I kind of feel like I'm sick. <laughs> I could terrible. relate. That's terrible. Um, the uh, funniest thing though is you got your mom hooked on heroin you fucking got an abscess, cut off your 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 arm, kicking in precipitated withdrawal, and now you're the head of the dopey sales department. Well, let me let me just share this real quick about the hospital as well. <laughs> I was I was about so I got a ding on my phone and it it told me that I had gotten my last paycheck uh directly deposited into my bank account. Yeah. And so it's like sunny outside. And I have, you know, like a thousand dollars in my bank account and I, and I need to feel better. And so I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Skid Row and I'm going to cop and I'm going to feel better. And that's going to be it. And like, I, you know, I'm sorry to Dave and the dopey nation, but like, that's just what I, what I need to do. And so I put on my clothes and I was like, out, I was done. And I, and I walked to the, walked out of the room and walked to the stairs and started walking down the stairs and was like almost, I'd been on the fifth floor, was almost to the second floor. Could like see the top of the door, see the sun shining through it. It was like freedom. It was, you know, I, I was starting to feel better because I knew I was going to get high, which wouldn't, I would have been blocked anyway. So I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Um, and then this nurse like calls out and, and, and like before I can turn around, she's right there. She's got a hold of me and she's like, come back upstairs you know, we'll give you some meds. We'll take care of you. And she like whisked me back upstairs and into bed. And then like they knocked me out and, and I got through it, you know, and, and then the rest is sort of history, but, um, but yeah. And, and yeah, now it's like, it's amazing. It's, and my life is, my life is great. My and favorite like you said, head of, you, yeah, well, you're the head of the dopey sales team after all that stuff, yeah. but what your Fuck story, yeah. what your story makes me think of, it makes me think of a couple of things. Like, first of all, like that dumb inclination to get high when you're blocked. Like, imagine if you had left and you get there and you buy some dope in the street and you're blocked. It's like, and and after everything you had been through. I mean, I I did that. I did that in a detox and I, and I I relapsed in the detox and I didn't know I was blocked. And then I got, I know, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like, what a dumb, it's like, that's a, (laughs) I'm sure people do that all the time. But the other thing and 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 this is just kind of sad in general. Like, I I talk to you quite often, and I you know obviously I care about you, and um and I'm invested in you and your recovery and everything, and and it's like we talk as though everything is fine, you know, and everything is fine. But like Chris had had you know he had four and a half years, you know what I mean, and and other people go out with thirty years, you know what I mean. Like it's just right. it's just a great reminder to me that even if we're doing good and we are doing great, you know what I mean? I'm super proud of you and I'm super proud of myself, but it's like, 
it could happen to anybody at any time. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I don't, I don't yeah. say that with any sort of like, you're such a fuck up. It's going to happen to you. I just, it just gives me that kind of, I feel like I enjoy laughing and then it's like, ah, uh, but what happens to people? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like this stuff is, that's why it's every day. That's why got to do this stuff every single day, you know, no days off. And that's for me, that's like, <clears throat> going to a meeting every day that's meditating every day that's calling other people you know in the program that i go to which is which is aa and um it's being grateful you know it's all that it's all that corny like stuff that that is talked about and it's talked about for for a reason it's stuff i didn't do forever right and we don't do it we don't do it to be corny or to not be corny we do it so we can stay alive and be happy yeah you know we don't do it for any other reason you know, like, and I think that's important. I think that when I was using and I'd be like, I don't want to be corny like that. And it's not about being corny. It's about living and, and having, a, and, and having a nice life, you know, that's it. Yeah. And, yep. and, and, that's right. and, and you are a beautiful man with a beautiful life. So I, I thank you for coming and telling, uh, really dropping the, the megaton dopey on the dopey scholarship recovery special. Dude, well, thanks for having me as always. And thank you for everything that you've, you've done for me and continue to do for me and for, for the Dopey Nation and all your hard work. And, all right, uh, just take it easy. Yeah, don't, man, go, don't, go, don't, 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 don't go crazy with this stuff. <laughs> all um, right, all right. We're all doing right. good, though. Don's taking Dopey to the next, the next place. Shit is happening, man. Shit is, so from now on, when I tell people the story of you, should I mention your mom or no? That's too dark. No, leave that out. <laughs> what are you scraping right now? What is that scraping? Oh, I'm spray, spraying my plants. You're like, I'm scraping, the, I'm scraping my bowl. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm California sober. Can right? I tell you? Right. Exactly. Just Any, kidding. Just kidding. No, no. You can't even handle <laughs> yeah. cryptocurrency, let alone bong heads. That, right? For real. But that's okay. That's okay. We're going to do, the, we're gonna do the, the DJ crypto world soon. Coming soon. DJ's crypto experience. Crypto anonymous. Exactly. Exactly. But thank you, Don. I think that was amazing. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. So that was Don. This was a great walk down memory lane for me. A tale of some triumph, obviously some tragedy, but that's dopey. You know, there's a lot of triumph. There's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of hope, and hopefully... There's a lot of fun. I have so much fun making the show. I hope you guys had fun listening to it. But before we go, I got an email, I think today. I got an email from this woman. Her name is fucking, what's her name? I don't remember. Oh, Maya. And Maya said, Dear Dave, I've been composing this email for years, but I wanted to be caught up before sending anything. Now I'm caught up, and today marks my one-year anniversary of being clean. I was just a classic chronic stoner while listening until COVID hit, and I listened to one of the current episodes where you said it was the perfect time to get clean, and I was like, dang, you're right. So I did it, one day at a time. Honestly, I didn't think that recovery was an option for me until I listened to Dopey. I thought I was just going to be sitting on a porch with a bong and a beer for the rest of my life. But I'm proud to say that's not a goal I have at this point. I've been going to NA meetings exclusively on Zoom. I have a sponsor who I've never met in real life. My home group is based in New Zealand, and I feel like an absolute phenomenon. It's crazy that there's a whole generation 
of newly recovered folks who've never been to a physical meeting, right? Maybe someday. Anyway, I'm beyond incredibly grateful for the connection I've made in recovery, and I owe a lot of it to you and the Dopey Nation. Love, Maya. P.S. Shout out to Riley for sharing Dopey with me and for being a sober inspiration. P.P.S. My Dopey stories are pretty mellow, so instead... I'm attaching a cover of Good So Bad I recorded last night. It really bugs me when you refer to yourself as an amateur musician. You're much more than that. You compose, you perform. I'm an amateur. For years, I've been practicing and trying to get my friends to start a band with me, but it hasn't happened. I think it's because I've been too high. A band doesn't happen overnight. More will be revealed. Let me know. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. I know he would be so proud of all of this stuff, and here's Maya's Good So Bad. Suckers. 
make 